0: Grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I was uh, just completely confounded this week. Uh, It's really by the grace of God that I was able to get anything together for you today for a message. It's not anything to do with, you know, coming off vacation or needing more rest or anything like that. You know, first of all, the gospel reading today from Matthew is supposed to be chapter 21 thirty three forty six and my Bible is marked all over with red pen to indicate which readings are in the three year lectionary you know the the standard we use here at St Paul to select the readings for sunday and in my Bible that I use at the office you know if the readings are bracketed with red pen it was, took me several days to do this research then that means that they're in the lectionary right so if if the verses are not bracketed in red, it tells me that uh, ha-ha, this is another unpreached, unheard text for Sunday. And uh, I noticed that Matthew 21 verses 28 through 32 were not bracketed in my Bible. And I thought, great! Another one I can use. But then I noticed this reading looked pretty familiar. the, the, The two sons in the vineyard. I mean, I know I've probably read this before on Sunday, and so I had to double check, and I was wrong. It it These verses are in the lectionary. You've heard them before. Well, I was really irritated with myself that I had missed that, but I already had the service folders made out, so I'm like, okay, we'll just run with it. We'll just go with the, the readings today from Matthew, because I, I preached on Ezekiel last Sunday, right? So as I'm preparing the sermon, I'm reading through the Greek, and something wasn't matching up between... The Greek and the English translation that we have in our Your Service folder there. That's the English Standard Version. And I just couldn't figure it out. I'm like, what? There's something's not right here. So let me read to you. I'm going to read to you two Greek translations uh, that I got from two different sources. One of them is from my official source, the Nestle Island Greek, and uh, another one, the UBS Greek, that I got online. Here's, Here's this little bit from this Matthew. See if you can notice a difference. But what Jesus said, what to you seems it? A man had two children. Approaching the first, he said, child, go work in the vineyard today. But he answering said, I go, Lord, and went not. And approaching the second, he said, similarly. And he answering said, I will not. Later, repenting, he went. Which of the two did the will of the father? They say, the latter. All right, now here's this other translation I came across. Jesus said, what, however, do you think? A man had two sons, and having come to the first, he said, go to work today in the vineyard. And answering, he said, master, I will not. Afterward, however, repenting, he went. Having come to the second, he said, likewise. And answering, he said, I will, sir. And he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? They say, the first. You notice the disparity? The chief priests answer the latter son in the first translation and, the, and this other one, the, the chief priests answer uh, the, the first. You know, these are the kind of things that keep me up at night. Right? I mean, why? This is... You know, our English translations are supposed to come from official manuscripts, the earliest Greek manuscripts that have been discovered since the beginning, right, since Jesus ascended, and they're all supposed to be the same. Why, then, is, are these two different? I spent hours trying to find out why this disparity exists. And, you know, yesterday afternoon, I finally had to give up and say, I've got I to gotta make something out of this. And while one of you might find this as equally interesting and challenging as I do, the rest of you are probably by now wondering, well, what does this all have to do with my faith, my family, what's going on in the world, or even Jesus? So, I'm not yet done with this mystery. You're going to have to give me a, a sabbatical so I can find out, do the research and find out. So this is one of those Sundays where we're just going to have to let the text itself do the work. I mean, it starts off with Jesus asking the question, what do you think? Now, Jesus asks something like 308 questions in the New Testament. But we're not used to Jesus asking us, what do you think? You know, in the church we're kind of used to, it this is the way it is. This is what the Bible says, and this is what Jesus has done and what he said. You know, but every now and then he asks his people that he's talking to, what do you think? So let's imagine we're the original hearers of Matthew's gospel. Now, if you want, you can even not only imagine yourself as one of Matthew's original hearers, you can even step back a little further in the action and place yourself as one of the people Jesus is speaking to here. Which would be the chief priests and the elders of the temple in Jerusalem. Then again, you may not want to do that unless you want Jesus to put you in a pretty bad light. So then let's just imagine we're we're watching this action on the sidelines. It seems a simple little story of a good person and a bad one. The one says, the one son says, I won't work in that vineyard. And he changes his mind and works. The other one says, yeah, I'll go and work and doesn't show up. Which one is the good son? The, the one that uh, yeah, the one that does the work, the one that obeys the father, the one who did the right thing in the end. It's kind of a weak translation in the English, though, about the, the son who changes his mind. That, that's a weak translation. In the original language, the son repented, and that's significant. Our translation makes it sound like the son was like, "All right, oh, yeah, maybe I should go work in the vineyard." No, he was sorry that he told the master that he wouldn't work. And he changed his mind because he he felt guilty. Guilt. And he turned from his disobedience. Now, the other son, he doesn't get any credit because he said yes. I know Jesus says somewhere in the Gospels that whatever comes out of a person's mouth is what comes from the heart. So what we say does matter, it does matter, doesn't it? I believe what you say and what you do aren't mutually exclusive of one another. Of one another. You know, our words and our actions, they, they work together. They They need to line up, you know. But what's the deal, though, with this other son? Does he have good intentions of working at first, then decides he doesn't want to because... You know, I don't know, he walked past the tavern on the way to the vineyard and decided he'd have a drink and then got, you know, wrapped up in wine, women, and song? Or was he lying from the beginning? Just saying what he thought the father would want to hear. Yes, I'll work. But he really had no intention of of following through. I think it's the latter. You know, Jesus doesn't tell us, but I just the context of what's going on here, I, I think it's the latter. Jesus himself asks, which son is doing the will of the father? Well, you we've already answered that correctly, the one who repented and did the job. And if you hadn't already imagined already that the father in this parable is God the father, well then, that's, that's who he represents. And the children... Well, who do you think the children are yeah you and me which one are you which one am i well who wants to enter the kingdom of god first i do <laughs> right so i'm the son who repents and does the will of the father isn't that all of us that's why we're here we came to the service we we repented that's that's part of our corporate Worship together? But don't we also say, Oh, yes, God, I'll be better. I'll obey. I'll volunteer in church. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll read my Bible. I'll share the good news of Jesus. And what happens? We don't. It seems like things are not so black and white in this little parable when you think about it. It's complicated. We're complicated because of sin. But I don't believe Jesus necessarily means this parable to be a self-examination test for all Christians. At least historically, this isn't the way the Christian church uses this text. What Jesus seems to be doing here is presenting some of the vilest kinds of people in Israel at that time as more pious and believing than the chief priests and the elders who are supposed to be the most pious believers in Israel. And be examples and teachers for the people. To to do their jobs. But in reality, these men aren't believers. They're not sorry for anything they've said or done. They think they're above it all. But look who gets to enter the kingdom of God first. Now don't you think if one was a collection agent for the IRS or... Your state's revenue department and a Christian, man, you'd feel kind of beat down with all this negative talk in the Bible about tax collectors, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know. But then again, maybe not, because you know taxes are all automated today, and it's probably not easy for one employee to siphon money from people. But back in Judea, way back then, tax, tax collectors were notorious. For raising taxes on their own. You know. On their own authority. So they could skim off a portion for themselves. And still give their masters. The expected amount. Without their masters even knowing about it. It was diabolical thievery. Prostitutes. Well. Depending where you live today. I've heard it spun as a noble profession. If one chooses to do that. Yet. That's not what God intended for men and women. And besides, he's already said our bodies are not our own to do with as we please. So, two examples of the worst kind of behavior, stealing and misusing the body, are put in a good light when there's the fruit of repentance which comes from faith in Jesus to turn and obey the Father's will. These two worst kinds of people are put in a better light then Jesus' pious opponents in the temple. Now, these pious opponents, remember, sent scouts all the way down the road from Jerusalem into the desert and to the Jordan River to see what this John the Baptist was doing. And when these scouts went all the way back up to Jerusalem, walking 3,000 feet elevation up to tell the priests what John had said, the priests did not believe them. They would not believe what John the Baptist said John said he was preparing people for the coming Messiah he baptized people bringing the fruit of repentance and hearts to hear what was to come in just a little bit from Jesus and the priests would have none of it and that's what Matthew shows us by recounting this little parable he shows us how obstinate his opponents were how Jesus opponents were and the depths of their sin in rejecting him and there are times when we're just as stubborn and refuse to change our behavior but no repentant sinner is ever turned away remember that no repentant sinner is ever turned away from God's forgiveness through Jesus no matter how much money you've stolen how many people you have screwed over how many lovers you've had, what sex they were, how many abortions, how many bottles you've emptied, how much crack or meth you've smoked, how many black eyes and bruises you've given. There is forgiveness when there is repentance and there is repentance where there is faith. Even a mustard seed of faith saves. Feelings of of remorse and guilt are a good indication of faith That that means there's something going on in your heart and mind. God, I am truly sorry for what I've done. He elevates you higher than the chief priests of Israel. You are welcome in the kingdom of God. Chief of sinners, though you and I be, Jesus shed his blood for me and you. And from that comes joy and peace. We shouldn't wallow in our sin as if Jesus hadn't paid the dear price of his life for us, and we some, and, and, you know, and that we somehow have to pull ourselves out of our sinful condition. Yet, if one struggles continuously with sin, guilt and shame can be an everyday experience. But you know, another fruit of faith is change. And we can change by the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds to conform more to Christ's heart and mind. So may it be so for you. May you be elevated by Christ higher than the most pious priest in Jerusalem. May God keep you in His promise of eternal life forever with Him in His kingdom on the new earth in the new heavens. Amen.